You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha. Greetings. This is Parisha, and I am the host of the particular Quantum Leap Book Club. Our book this week, and for the probably the next three, four weeks, will be The Gratitude Effect by Dr. John D. Martini. Okay, when moving with me and throughout the book, you will actually be hearing from my exciting and, and uh, definitely delightful co-host, Maria Jacques from Florida. We've got Steve Jones in Arizona and also Joyce Mollenhauer from Arizona. We have Rosemary Heyer that's joining us today from actually uh, Germany. She's in Frankfurt, Germany. We have Marianne Love and Geraldine Dalby Ball that are actually with us from uh, Australia. And we have uh, Trina, Trina Cooper, who is actually joining us from someplace she's traveling in Florida. So I welcome you all as far as the show today. And we have some exciting stuff to look at. The book that we're looking at is actually written by a man who has quite a history. He's overcome many physical situations and challenges in his early life. John was actually impaired both with his legs and his arms as a young person. Come through school, had lots of trauma and situations through school as he had a learning disability and is dyslectic. He has come a long way in helping many people overcome such situations, okay? And he has actually had the ability to travel enormously across our earth. And he travels basically from personal interest, not just work. He's an exciting man. I've come to know John in the late 90s when uh, he married Star Woman, who was an astrologer that I worked with for quite a, at least over a year or so when they got married. And I got to actually meet him. And what he has accomplished in the time over the years is just exceptionally beneficial to what I would consider the spiritual community. So we're going to start today actually exploring the book, The Gratitude Effect. John lingers very strong on the on expressing and understanding the role of gratitude in our day-to-day life in every situation, positive or negative seeing it all as part of the picture of growth consciousness. So we're going to begin today. And Maria, you want to actually share with us what you got out of the assignment. The first assignment in our book is starting from page one all the way back to 49. And we're going to move now and let Steve Jones in Arizona actually bring us up on what's going on in the chapter that we're reading today in the beginning of the book. So we start with what is the gratitude effect on chapter one. And Steve, can you give us what you've actually learned and read, sum up what you've got out of the beginning of this book? Yeah, well, there's a, a, a few different um, few different things that I that I pulled out. Um, one was that he, he gives a few uh, different uh, examples. Uh, one is that how, um, you know, people think that, God abandoned them because God's not doing what they told them to. <laughs> so, um, 
he gives an example. He talks about uh, there, a mother who had become been angry her whole life at this accident that happened to her son when he was riding uh, motorcycles, and he crashed and almost was paralyzed for life. And in the process of his treatment, he went to a chiropractor, and he was so impressed with that treatment that he started to study to become a chiropractor, actually became a doctor of chiropractic, and he had a very successful business, served many people. He made enough money to buy his own dirt bike company. But even after all that, she was still angry that this accident. So John had worked with her and got her to look thing, at things in a different perspective that none of this would have happened if it wasn't for that accident. And so she changed her perspective and really, uh, you know, was able to see that there's a divine order everywhere. And he, you know, he talks that that's all there is. There's just love everywhere. And that the wisdom of that, which is challenging, is to see the, is to have instantaneous recognition that crisis is a blessing, which, you know, at the time of the crisis may not be so hard to accept. <laughs> so you can test your, 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 your level of wisdom on that. Um, and then he, he also talked about, you know, in, in relation to that, that there is a higher order or a plan. And he talks about, you know, how he initially, once he realized, you know, with all the challenges that he had, that there was a plan and a divine order to things that really moved him to really find out what that is and to find, you know, with all these things happening in my life, how, what is this plan? You know, what is it really? And that, that really changed him to, to, um, to find that there is perfection in the universe, even though you can't see it. And that the, you know, the divine or it's, it's constantly guiding us toward our highest potential and fulfilling our deepest desires. But we don't really see that because we become fixated on and attached to like specific outcomes. Like it has to go this way or it has to go that way. So we might think, say things, you know, this is good or this was bad because it's, you know, that's just our limited ex um, perspective. But by, you know, cultivating a mindset of gratitude, we can begin to see that the hidden, you know, divine order is at work. And the gratitude allows us to shift our focus from what's lacking or wrong in our lives to what's abundant and right. And it opens us up to receiving the lessons that are coming with all these experiences. And, um, he also talks about how we have different perspectives. Like he describes it as like, my box is better than your box. And, and some people might say, well, that person isn't spiritual because they're just doing this or they're just, they're not going to church. And, you know, he points out that, you know, if you're going to work in every day and you're supporting your family and you're, you're, you're being loving and kind to your family and you're doing things, you know, the community, just things like that. When you look at it, those are, are, you know, virtuous things. They, they could, can be, you know, considered spiritual. So, you know, he goes, to, he helps you change your, your beliefs of what spirituality is and appreciate the things that you do and that other people do that contribute that traditionally, just because you're not going to church, um, are considered spiritual. So, and, and that another thing that I found interesting is he says, for, for each person, there's another person who has a completely 
different set of values, like opposite of you. And so you have to consider all these differences and really what that's made to do is to uh, be able to have you love each of those differences, even though they're opposite to you. So that that's what I got to. All right. Thank you a lot, Steve. And we'll look at uh, what what it actually goes on as he goes. I actually had uh, some other details on the particular experience with the child that he helped. And uh, the book is full of it. So I would have our listeners to know you need to really get in touch with some of the things that other people call miracles that John just considers everyday work. Okay. Now we're going to go over to Rosemary Frankfurt, Germany. Rosemary, how are you? And uh, what did you think of the particular beginning of our chapter? I am, I'm really, uh, everybody knows counting your blessings. And I really uh, uh, titled my article, He Goes Beyond Counting Your Blessings. And that's what I really got from the whole book and in different ways, is that he actually says it is possible, and I experienced myself, to be in gratitude about your challenges and then move into a higher awareness of the divine order behind it. And so he says, it's not enough just to be grateful for the support and positive things in your life. You also need to be grateful for your crises and challenges. So how do you do that? And uh, the idea is also, it could be, if you, if you experience lack of money, you're grateful for what you have. If you have a problem in a relationship, you're grateful for the gifts you already have. But he even goes beyond that. If you really, and he said, it's your own responsibility to look for that. If you keep looking with gratitude, you experience an overflowing sense of being cared for and that there is always divine order and there's nothing outside of God, even not the worst crisis and the worst problems you experience. And that is really something which inspired me a lot because I have experienced it. I remember when I experienced, I finally received something I was praying for and I was going through a maze of signposts. As you all know, the universe works wondrous ways and I finally got it. I was filled with such an overflowing gratitude that I created this prayer called, in German, it's called the magische Moment, wo ich dich erkenne, the magic moment where I recognize you, capital U. When, when you experience complete gratitude, you experience the you, the one that is in all things and that divine order. And I really love that approach in his book. And it goes so much more in depth in, in also when he talks about that we are transformed, and I'm quoting him here, we are transformed by our willingness to be receptive to the divine intelligence and the uh, divine order. So uh, gratitude is also a surrendering. It's a surrendering into um, uh, that I trust and I move forward in gratitude through the crisis, through the challenges, because I know it's part, actually he says somewhere, in which really struck me, he has something, he says somewhere that uh, <clears throat> some of the things you have, the universe put there by purpose, even some of your triggers and some emotional situations and challenges you have been put there by purpose because you're supposed to go through them so that you can grow and expand your awareness and move in that divine sense, in, in the, in the sense of a divine order. And a gratitude is your way to that. And he also says that um, uh, in, we need to embrace the negative part of us. And um, we all learn that, yes, yes, that's right. And, but he says only then you can love yourself. 
And, you know, we're working so hard to try to get rid of it. And I'm working so hard to, to better myself, to improve myself. And, uh, but by that, I'm denying that the way I am is also a divine order because I am magnificent. I'm, I'm made by divine order. And um, so if you really go, go into the approach he, he, he explains in this book and he tries to go deeper into it, you will actually experience the magnificent that you are and you move beyond that little ego, which he calls uh, its mortal, mortal way of the, the ego. And you can see that there's a greater picture. And that's what I really got out of it for right now. All right. Very, very good. Very thorough. That's great. To Thank share. you. And I really appreciate you reflecting your personal experience and how it applies to you. Our listeners always request that. So thank you very much, Rosemary. All right. We're going to move to Marianne Love, who's in Melbourne, Australia. Marianne, what did you think of all of this? Hi, everyone. Yeah, this is, I'm loving this book. I think it really brings to light what's important. And he talks about gratitude being the thing that connects you to your own soul. And that often within our searching for fulfilling ourselves, we look to the things that are lacking in our lives. And those things are the void that become the thing we focus on. And I think in that, what I took from this is that we miss the point, like we miss the point that we are these divine beings and that if we align ourselves to gratitude or appreciation, we're actually aligning ourselves to the essence of who we are, which is what he says is fundamentally what we're all looking for. Um, and in the story with the mother and the son, I thought, you know, I could really identify and understand that, you know, people have an idea of God and they almost demand of God. And if God doesn't deliver in exactly the way that they think God should deliver, then there's sort of an anger or a bargaining or a disappointment with God. And yet, so she prayed for safety for her son. Her son was like a, um, you know, motorbike, a dirt bike rider, and he was doing really dangerous things in that, but he was passionate. He was getting to the top of his career. He loved it. And she wanted to support his love for it, but demanded of God his safety. And when God didn't provide in as much as he got very injured, he did survive, although he nearly didn't, but he did survive. When God didn't provide, she became very, very depressed. She, you know, she felt very let down and disappointed. God didn't do what she wanted God to do. And in that lost the whole picture of what this journey was for her son and how it all unfolded for him to live actually closer to his own divinity and um, help many people through becoming a chiropractor and falling in love with this new field. So I think it's a good reflection for all of us to look at like what are the challenges in our lives and how are we not looking at it from all the perspectives. The, before I finish, the one thing that really stood out for me, and I think it's similar to what I've understood of your teachings, Grandmother, is that you look at things from all sides, like to look at things from a, from a circle perspective and he says, once you can do that, like see the opposites, the challenges, the uh, appreciations, the um, gains, the losses, when you can do that all at once, then that's when you fall into gratitude. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Thanks a lot. That's great, too. Okay, we're going to move on now and let Trina, that's vacationing there in Florida, kind of give your review of what you've read in the book. Oh, yeah. Let's see. I love this book. It's just opening my heart as I read it. That's what I really love about this. 
And um, I, it gives you so many different ways of looking at gratitude or the ways that you can bring it into your life, which I think was really fascinating to begin. And I mean, we're only two chapters into the book right now. And already I'm going, oh, you guys have to read this book. This is just, you just have to read this book. So um, the, I wanted to touch on a couple of things, though. There was a question he poses in chapter two. I found it really interesting that his first chapter talked about, well, what is the gratitude effect? And then he jumps right in and starts talking about gratitude and your spiritual quest. And I thought there's some people who probably don't even realize or would say, I'm not on a spiritual quest. I don't even really know what that means. Some people would say, oh, yeah, of course, I have gratitude every day. And yes, I go to church every week and all that kind of stuff. But in that particular chapter, in the second chapter, he poses the question, is there a higher order or a plan in the universe? And he talks about how people from the beginning of time have always asked, what's the purpose? What's going on in the world? How do we describe this? And it's driven people to create mythology and religions and um, sciences and trying to explore and understand. We have scientists right now going in every direction, trying to explain what's in the universe, what's in the sea, how does nature work? How does consciousness interact? And how do we explain that with science? So there's a drive in all of us to try and explain what this is. Now, in their spiritual quest, what a lot of these, especially scientists and also some of the spiritual teachers or religious teachers are also finding that there's this inherent natural order of things, that there is some kind of divine intelligence that's behind what's going on. And you just look at it in nature and how do the trees know when they should bud? How do the trees know when they should kind of shut down and go to sleep? What are the rhythms that we work with? All these things. So the more that they look into it, the more it's asking us to look into the unknown, the more it's asking us to uh, discover new things. And this is really, really exciting. And the author himself found this when he was about 18 years old, that he um, was inspired by a book that he read, and it began his quest to actually try and awaken people, trying to bring them forward and get them to understand this divine order and look at it themselves and go after it themselves. So what he noticed, though, is a lot of people don't even notice it. And so dropping those little seeds and helping people to ask questions, he did a wonderful job in um, explaining, I think Steve touched on my box is better than your box, um, in the fact that people have preconceived ideas about what certain things are, and they've created boxes themselves. But the questions that he asks in this, like, you know, have you ever looked at this yourself? Have you ever explored it yourself or did you have it because someone taught it to you and you just blindly accepted it? Is it something that's truth for you? And the series of questions here really makes you think about what is spirituality? How does it impact me in my life? What is my definition of it? And what is my box? Because when we form the boxes, what we do is we create judgments toward everyone else. 
when we recognize now that when we take down the sides of those boxes and we begin to look at the opposites, and we've talked about that before in this, the, the complementary opposites in quantum physics, what is that opposite teaching us? What are we looking for? And um, so have you actually boxed in what you define as spirituality to the extent that you can't appreciate what other people see as spiritual? You can't learn from them. So to me, that was a really big piece of it. There was a quote, a piece of a quote from Carl Sagan that said, it's better to understand the universe as it really is than to pretend to a universe as we might wish it to be. Very good. Very good. Thank All right. You. Great, great presentation. Okay. We're going to go over to Sydney, Australia, and actually see what you've got to say, Geraldine, about the chapter that we're looking at. Absolutely. And I love the acronym where we've taken the word God, G-O-D, and looked at that as the grand organizing designer. And this then permeates the, these chapters that we're looking at, because as you've heard from other people today, there's been the talk of the divine order, you know, the talk of is there something that's always purposeful. Now, whether one wants to take take that literally or not and say, hey, it's already in place, there's nothing I can do about it, or do we take that other step and look as as our author does, Dr. Joe Demartini has read a lot and he's looked deeply into the quantum physics as well. So when he's saying there's a divine order, it's also saying that this is the universe or the divine order, reflecting back what you put out there. So in this case, in the case of the mother and the son, she had requested a certain thing, so obviously had the son. Now that came back. So it doesn't mean that was already fixed in place or is it that there was a response to what they put out there? So part of this divine order lets us then look within everything, there's the story. And this, the other thing that stood out for me was a key part about the religions and the overlap because so much of our um, human world at this time has so-called divisions or as other people mentioned, the boxes where we look, what is you know, this religion, that religion. And as he said, if you look at the overlap, you get to a point where there's enough similarity that you can start to see love. And I love the section that really looked and said, and as Steve mentioned, that there is an opposite. Whatever you are, there is an opposite to you. And as we look to see what we cannot love, it's showing us the boundaries of our love. And really, if we asked ourselves, like I looked at it and I said to myself, well, would I wake up in the morning and say, hey, today I want to love less or would I want to love more? And if I love more, am I then looking for the things that are easy to love or would I then be testing my boundaries and see what can I love more that I didn't love before? And this, I think, brings again that idea of the divine order. It's all there. And as Grandmother Parrish's <laughs> this beautiful term that you, you've given to us so many times, all good things that came so strongly in this all good things it could have been that someone was rude to you it could have been your car got smashed whatever it was all good things how do we find the gratitude effect in that knowing that then we can expand the boundary of our love the other key point that came was he describes it like um, photons like so so the sun the sun is giving us energy all the time just like that there is the rain down upon us the bombardment 
of the universal spirit, as we said, it could be called God, could be any religion, but it's present. And the key words that he gives us are the more balanced our mind and the more open our heart, then the more of that frequency and the more of that energy we can then be part of because it's always there. It's raining down on us like the sunshine. How much do we let permeate into us? And as a beautiful term, he said, this extraordinary force constantly whispers to us our own wholeness and in that awakening the gratitude effect. So there's a choice that we have all the time. Whatever happens, we can take a moment and say, what if this is actually moving me faster to what I asked for, moving me smoother? So always ask what if, even if it was spilling the coffee down the front of your shirt on the way to work. So they're the key points that I got from uh, this chapter and, and seeing how it, easy it is to apply. All right. Real good. Very good. And definitely within the particular area that you were covering for us, uh, John actually remembers because it was in the 90s was a big time to where I was teaching a lot of where is God not. When we decide that what is good, what is bad, what is sinful, what is righteous, whatever. And then we begin to segment where we say God dwells or where that that particular whatever aspect of our beliefs is. Okay, so definitely, again, we're, we're, we're brought back to where we began somewhere way back there. So we've all had to deal with where is God not. Okay, doesn't work if you don't see it everywhere. We're going to now go over and let uh, Joyce Mullenhauer, who is in uh, Arizona, actually share with us her particular uh, impressions and the jewels that she's gotten out of the chapter. Yes. My biggest impression is this author is able to speak to each reader with a personal, very personal message. This isn't theory that he's giving us. This is personal. And he starts the book off with the common uh, sharing, the common experience of human beings of spending life seeking. And the word seeking itself is worth exploring in my mind. The something that we're seeking varies from each one of us because we're unique. In his program that he's developed and refers to many times in this book, he's developed it because of his own life experience. And that just is real, very real. He shares that the common tendency of human beings is we're expert at telling if someone says, how are you doing? Or you ask someone else this, you get to hear a whole litany of what their miseries are. And this is common. This is way too common. So he challenges us with recognizing with every misery, there's that potential gift. And we've already, there's been other hosts that have referred to that, but it sure, it feels like a ridiculous challenge that maybe you don't know what the solution is. But he gives all these examples, and some of those have already been described of what that's turned around to be. And if we would just take a breath and give it time and move forward, then he tells us the end result is definitely a huge gift. And and he touches on the power of prayer in the story of a gentleman that's at an actual workshop. And this, this gentleman had, had a very unhappy relationship with his sister. So in the workshop, 
he worked through that. And he was there was someone representing the sister. And when he had acknowledged some of the very positive things about his sister, he hugged this person that was representing. Well, the phone rang. This gentleman was at a conference, and the sister had to go through about four different relays to reach and be able to talk to her brother. But she phoned from a huge distance away to say thank you. So he gives these examples. And I think if we look at our own lives long enough, we can pick up those things that we thought were just impossible and we thought we hated it going through it and realize where it led us to. So his story of reading, he was he was told at seven, he was never going to be a good reader. And so at 17, he started to learn. And the passion this gentleman put towards learning to read is just worth reading all by itself. If any of us think we've got a challenge on our hands, that's one that was huge. And he kept giving gratitude every day of the progress he made. So those were some of the things that I really like so far in this book. Real good. Very, very good coverage as well. Okay, we're going to go to Miami, Florida. Marie Jacques. Maria, what did you get out of the beginning of this book? Well, I think what the key point that I got out of out of this is where he asks us to question if we had 24 hours to live, what would we do with that? And, you know, in all his research that he did across the globe, what he found universally is that people wanted to give gratitude and appreciation and love to the people in their lives. And I think he's really giving us the keys to how to live a happy and fulfilled life. And that's to look at everything in our lives, no matter what it is, whether it's good or bad or whatever, that it's all in divine order. And if, and if we can, if we can do that, if we can do that and apply that basic principle, then we, we can live a balanced and whole life looking at everything as like we you know several people have mentioned where is god not in we can't just say that he's going to be in the good but he's also in everything that challenges us as well that's okay. the key point that i got in in the beginning of this chapter which she really made a point of that's really really good there's definitely uh, a part in the chapter that I've asked you to cover with me today that I felt was extraordinary. I know you shared some of the stories, but the story that actually unfolds on 48 and 49 is the boy, the four-year-old boy that's brought to his office. Do one of you want to share your particular impression of that story? I would. Okay, go. I was just fascinated that this that uh, John Demartini, as this very effective um, practitioner, was faced with this child that had been at all medical services and said he would never be able to do anything. His his feet were deformed. He had one eye he was closed and he couldn't even see out of. And this had all been because of a car accident. And he was able, with the techniques that he uses, to actually in the few first few minutes, this boy was able to get off of the table and stand momentarily. So it was a very dramatic story and moved on to the fact that this person now has a pretty normal functioning body after a lot of time put in by by the practitioner, Dr. Martini, 
and his family support him. Well, John actually points up uh, the the child didn't stand. He fell off the table, and for a brief moment, because of the fall, he had two feet on the floor. And that was the very first time in his four years of life that he actually was standing. This story is personal to me because I know the people that were involved in it. This child was deformed in every sense of it. Just looking at this child, whether you were this child's parents or not, it would have been painful for you to to be in the presence, okay? And so when uh, John was treating the parent, the parent actually mentioned the fact that there was this child and that nobody was able to help. And John says, bring him in, let's take a look. And what John began to do is make chiropractic adjustments in the child, okay? And over a period of time, and it definitely, as Joyce has shared, the eye, he had one eye out that had actually been in the accident. He was able to see through both eyes with adjustments, cranial adjustments. He began to actually be able to straighten. His leg had been turned inside out in the accident, and John was able to straighten the leg. After the many hours and days of work, Joe contributed to the healing that what the healing was based on was the faith and the gratitude of the parents that for every little thing that was given and every change that was made, it was the celebrated enthusiasm and passion that went into the gratitude that the parents felt. As a mother, I can identify with that. If I had seen anybody that could actually help my child not have such deformities and painful existence, my gratitude would be a mountain as it would any of us, okay? So what the point is, is that even if we don't have such severe circumstances, you do have reason even to appreciate the very smallest and what we might consider the trivial things in life that make the difference. So I appreciate what you've all helped me cover in the beginning and introduction of this we have a few minutes here to sum up. So does anyone have like a few words you'd like to add in actually the experience you've had in reading the first few pages here? We're actually going to be looking at starting close to uh, chapter three next week. This is Geraldine in Sydney. And a key thing is always, how do you apply it? And I found myself driving to work uh, laughing and playing one of my favorite songs and singing it really loudly. And that just sort of opened this, again, this is from other teachings and, and the, the more that you can bring in together, this is adding adding to the smorgasbord of things that lift our life, you know, singing, linking our heart and our mind and then reading the book and then realizing that gratitude is another one of these linkages because when you're feeling gratitude, it's the feeling. So the feeling was there first and I was smiling and happy and then that triggered thoughts. And the thoughts were then of gratitude because this is off obviously front of mind because we're listening to it. So singing a song and then listening to the audio book and then back to some music and then just realizing that it cultivates a space inside me, which then I was able to carry through the day. So simple, seemingly so subtle, but the difference was really palpable. Very, very good. And I think we all experience that. What I find, and especially over the years of teaching, as well as the experiences of my own life, gratitude to me is the very seed of faith. Once once we feel gratitude, it's because something has actually performed, something has actually had the outcome 
we we tend to call these things miracles, okay? And that, I have no problem with the word miracle. It's just that we say it's beyond the normal, but it's not. What we're learning and what we will continue to learn in the book, especially the personal practices that John has in this book, that's why I, I feel it's very important that you buy this book so that you can work in it, okay, is actually to see that what we think sometimes is such extraordinary results. You know, John went at it with this child, knowing in his heart he was going to give it everything he had. Okay, that's a faith to me. That to me represents a confidence in yourself and a faith in what you can do with love. And so when we express gratitude, it's the celebration of that. Sometimes in, in people asking me the definition of compassion and gratitude and stuff like that, it to me, gratitude is nothing other than the celebration of realization. And that realization is so charged with energy because we have just witnessed our own doubts being totally resolved. And in, in the gratitude, we begin to know the faith or the trust or the actual acceptance of ourselves as more than just a body. So that, you know, that, that runs very heavy throughout this whole book. And like I said, there are pages in the book, and I hope you, the co-hosts, actually get into that as well. There are pages where he actually has you journaling and doing some particular uh, journaling exercises. And you want to make good of all of it. Once you learn the key of how to just see gratitude, not just appreciation. Appreciation is seeing something that you want more of, for sure. But the gratitude of that is actually the conviction of knowing. And that knowing is the feeling that makes everything else open up and move forward. Anyone else want to summarize some of the things that you've experienced through the book? Yeah, this is Marianne. I took it to one of the most painful things in my life at the moment, because I think if I can't apply it to the most painful, kind of what's the point of it? And one of the most painful things, I'll try not to cry, is losing my brother last year. And then I think, how how can you find the good in that? Like, And then I realised that you can look at it from many perspectives and hold it all at the same time. And there is so much um, good things also that comes out of a loss, like the kindness of people, the compassion you develop, like the things I can appreciate um sorry but anyway you're making it real that's all our tears are just beautiful waters from the heart so basically you feel that the gratitude uh, i would like you to be more clear with us on how you see gratitude helping you heal or actually deal with your grief well i think firstly i was like well how can you find um how can you lose someone and say it's okay um, when it hurts, um, but then I realize, you know, there is so much um, love in life that was had, or the what comes after, as well. So I can look at it from gratitude, like I can look at it from appreciation. That it, it is a choice I have. I realize there's a choice I have is what I focus on. And and we again, I you you all know that I lost my son four months ago. 
So grief in itself will challenge every belief you have. To actually deal with such a tremendous vacancy, void, that comes with the realization of death is actually something that will definitely challenge your faith as well as your beliefs and anything you've ever come to understand. And in my life, believe me, I have had tremendous tremendous witnessing of what is and what can be and the way beyond. And still all in all, to actually have to deal with how do you actually deal with this? Yes, it's very, very painful. Where I see gratitude coming into that is how to stop beating up on ourselves by asking what we could have done and how we could have been better, or maybe the more often we should have made a phone call or or the whatevers that we start dwelling on that actually helps us look at everything in a negative, hurtful place. And there isn't anybody in there. I've never, with the thousands of people I've talked to, everybody goes through that. There's a grieving process that we all face. For me, knowing that I have helped so many through that, and I have lost a great deal of loved ones throughout my 81 years, Nothing ever hit me as hard as my son's death. So I had to turn to gratitude for every little piece of life that I had with him. My son was very independent and lived very much on his own terms. So to say that we were in great companionship on long terms and stuff, that wasn't the gift that I had. So I had to start finding something to be grateful for in everything that happened. And in the fact that he was very ill and was actually very damaged in an accident that he had had just prior to his death, let me understand that the suffering and the probability of his life never being the same and realizing how independent a person he was, I went to gratitude. And the effects of the gratitude helped me start going back to the building blocks of my beliefs and what I can stand on. So you, especially with your mother, because I know Heather is suffering very much with this too, Marianne, you may want to give her this book and let her actually read through that. But reach out and find things that you can remember through life that are the gifts that his life was to your life and see that it doesn't start helping you find easier margins along the way here. Okay, and I would say that to anyone on our listeners that are actually dealing with a loss or even a drastic tragedy. People have lost it, are going through business where their businesses are being destroyed. People are losing their homes and you're seeing some of the very drastic challenges that people are facing today. You really do have to find your own track to this. And I would suggest very much definitely going and checking out the gratitude of Effect by Dr. John D. Martini. So as we move through the the rest of our call here, I'm very grateful for our listeners that have actually come with us and followed us through the many books that we've read. Okay, we're actually looking at taking on some other kind of ventures as far as our show. So we'll keep you updated as we go. All right, and that uh, for my co-hosts, I appreciate each one of you and realize how well you do hold to the particular confines of being public speakers on a network radio. Sometimes they're pretty hard margins, but we have to 
hold what it is that's necessary in order to honor that time. So I thank you very much and appreciate each one of you, especially those of you who come in and check in with us from other continents and places. It just makes the program a lot better. The reach is enormous, okay? So you have a good week and everybody, please, if you haven't got the book yet, please go on Amazon or wherever it is that you go and buy the book and work through the workplaces in the book. We'll catch you next week. This is Parisha and this is Quantum Leap Book Club. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great